I texted a good friend of mine and was like, hey, do you still have that acoustic guitar laying around? I might want it. Sure. Laying around is powerful. Listen. Uh, it, uh, the, the, the Rubicon, I that is it, what like, most acoustic guitars do. They do be laying. The around. Rubicon you're crossing is that in six months you're gonna have an acoustic guitar hanging around. It it might six months might be it, it might be in a sure. in a week I might have my friend's acoustic guitar in my house and I be, might right. be playing acoustic guitar. Sure, sure. I I'm saying, and then in right. six months it will be permanently laying around. That is fair, probably. Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. Oh, is it? Believe it or not. <laughs> but we got some news on was, that front today. Yeah, and we got a little bit. The cold open maybe was more relevant than the information that this is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Catherine Weber, and I'm joined by Andy Gramuga and Emilio Diaz. That's right. Uh, we're in the midst of the New York Film Festival, the big Still. centerpiece of uh, the American Fall Festival season. Um, and they're showing movies. It'll, you know, by the time you're listening to this episode, there'll be a mere three days left. But now, just a there's few more, more like left for six. Show. Right. That's right. Uh, I will. I will be there this weekend and see a few things. But that has not happened yet, and so we've gotten, uh, you know, some movies that hadn't really played at festivals that people go to uh, have now played at the New York, excuse me, film festival. Uh, so I don't know. It's just sure. a lot of like, I feel like people like most stuff. Like people are into Priscilla. I feel like that was the centerpiece that played. Oh, what else? Uh, I don't. Uh, well, <laughs> before that, there was a there was a piece of news that I thought we were gonna. Oh, I guess I didn't ever actually bring it up to that to say we should discuss this. Uh, so that's on me. <laughs> okay, great. Andy What's has news, Andy. But I got an email today from AFI Fest. Oh sure, I got this email uh, yeah. as well. Yes, I don't sorry. think we've I right. I don't think we've talked about this. On we've the mentioned air, it. I think. Did we? Okay. I don't remember. I only remember discussing the thing right. that this email refers to in the yes. group chat. Sure. You g- give us all the context you'd like. Of in. course, yeah. So a couple weeks ago. Um, AFI Fest, uh, after having announced their slate, basically, for the most part, uh, came out with another uh, press release that said, hey, guess what? We have a guest artistic director this year. 
It's Greta well, Gerwig. I should I should clarify this in a way that will make me look worse and that it didn't just say we have a guest director this year. It said our guest director this year, among the many other guest directors that we've had in past years, uh, which I could have looked up what the function of that role is. But instead, you got a message from me. <laughs> right being like this is dumb they've announced their movies what the what is well the, right. no i didn't say that i mean i was being silly i was like what does this mean does this mean that she has to claim uh curatorial ownership over That's the right. movies they've already announced yes um, um, and the answer of course to that question is no no uh it, what it means is that she basically gets to do their version of like revivals or whatever uh where she, yes. where she, where she picks uh she picked five movies uh, that are going to screen um, all of which, or two of which will feature an in-person introduction by her. Um, yeah. And these are all movies I think that she has been talking about recently. They are all, like, movies that were on her, like, list of movies that inspired yeah, Barbie. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, so you've got, you got Pee-wee, you've got Matter of Life yeah, and Death, talking, Colin Pressburger. Yeah, if you're introducing Pee-wee, it'll probably be fun. Yeah. Uh, all That Jazz, An American Paris, Wings of Desire. Um so yeah, that's she's doing that, uh, and good on her for uh, finding another way to plug those movies. And then also, they're adding some other titles, some t- uh, some some three Boy, letter titles, some three letter titles that played Tiff. We got Lee, and we got Sly. Yep, Sly they Lee killed their editions. Uh, <laughs> really nailed it. <laughs> the two the two hottest tickets. Of the fall yep. festival season are coming to AFI. Yeah. Uh, yep. Lee really is like, oh, that movie would have some kind of... Truly no one is it. talking about Lee. Did it not screen... Did it like only screen twice? Maybe. Like, I feel like you should have seen Lee. I, it was not even really on my radar. I don't understand. Andy Samberg is in Lee. He yeah. is playing a dramatic role opposite Kate Winslet. It's crazy. What's going on? Someone should investigate this. But no one is seeing Lee. Well, someone we we got a we, we got some we 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 could set, have a, a Los Angeles correspondent go see Lee maybe. Uh, okay, maybe. I feel like we would have to pay mm-hmm. that correspondent to go see Lee. Let me we'll uh, let me we'll let me check my letterbox to see if anybody I follow on letterbox I feel like Lee. the answer has to be well I guess I wouldn't necessarily bet money on no, but I would be surprised. By no, not that. anyone. One person I follow, but not oh, one person two. I know. Do they no, like yeah, it? No one who I like know. There are two people who I follow. Um, a lot of two and a halfs and threes. Sure. It's Lee. Lee. And then I didn't know that the, the, the names they're choosing to highlight from Sly as far as uh, the talking heads, is a fun list. It's Talia mm. Shire, Henry Winkler, Quentin Tarantino, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Which, mm-hmm. that's a fun uh, dinner party, IMO. Yep. Dream blunt rotation. I would never. I, I would never say that. Some. Sure. I wouldn't say that either about that group of people. If it is yours, write us in. Let us know. Yes. If you are the person for whom that is a quote-unquote yep. dream blunt rotation, please do let us know. We are interested to yep. to learn, yeah. to learn if you, what makes if you that's, tick. 
Yeah, you can you can email us, you can tweet us. If that is you and you would like to send us a physical letter, uh, DM us and I'll give you my address. Sure. So many people. Uh, write in, please. So many people are in lead. This is a crazy cast. I yeah. I didn't yeah. know this. It's, yeah. We. It's almost like it should be something, but it's not anything. Yeah. yeah. For sure, Lee is like a movie where you're like, that's Netflix, right? And no, it's no one. Yeah, I mean, someone um, will pick it up at some point, I'm sure. Uh, I, yeah, I, no, it'll be it'll be one of, I was just tweeting about one of these movies that like gets uh, released by a third tier distributor in like multiplexes, but for one week and right. no one actually thinks about it and it'll be this time next year. Is yeah. this the big? Is this the movie to suffer the most from a sack strike? It, I don't I know why it couldn't. Andy Samberg. All right, it could probably could have gotten a, a right. I don't know agreement. why it wouldn't have been. But I don't um, know. There's plenty of movies that maybe their producers happen. really just don't have their shit together and like didn't apply maybe. properly. Not to I not mean, to speak ill of the producers of Lee. I know you, maybe you're lovely. Kate Winslet. You're speaking you ill of Kate Winslet, no, producer of Lee. Not at all. I was um I was just re-listening to part of uh our long ago episode Andy's grab bag of tidbits the first episode, <laughs> and we uh we talk a lot about Ammonite in that one as having been announced for the the TIFF lineup. And I'm like, oh yeah, I never saw Ammonite. I wonder if it's no, any good. No, you know it's it's a a pattern with old Kate perhaps yeah. at this point. Her her TIFF movies don't pop. Sorry, Kate. Mm-hmm. All we know, uh, obviously, Lee, a classic biopic that took four writers. Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, again, Ellen Curtis, excited uh, uh, cinematographer of some of the some of the most in- exciting cinematography of the early twenty first century. Sure. Uh, All right, it's Lee. Yeah. All right, we got like seven or eight minutes out of Lee. I'm ready to move back on to NIF reactions if you want. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, definitely, I I was like, you know, the Telluride response to Janet Planet was, like, more respectful than ecstatic, except for, like, a few voices. And it does, you know, I I think the, the New York reaction has been what i might have hoped it would be and from like sure. a very wide swath of people like it it's not you know it, i i feel like the other thing that could have happened is that it could have been at new york and there could have been some people who were really into it and some people who were like i don't know it's fine it just feels like kind of sundancey and mm-hmm. would be one of the better movies there but no it, it seems like people are as into it as uh we are into some of Annie Baker's plays. Spoiler for sure. the, the yeah. rest of that. I, I mean, I don't know. I Maybe we'll get to it later because we're going to continue talking about her. But I do wonder, like, even with the reaction it's getting, I don't know what the future of this movie is going to be. Because I, I feel sure. like New York premiere no. for something that isn't, like, a movie that's basically already sold as like a hit. I don't. Uh, I don't know. Like what? It's not gonna make money. I know, and it's 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 gonna it's gonna have the same arc as showing up, except having premiered at Telluride instead of Cannes. Basically, you know, I I don't think it'll have necessarily have quite that much critical acclaim, but that's what we're looking at. 
in terms of when sure. it comes out and so sort of coming out in March or April and then <laughs> yeah um yep that would be my assumption right cuz yeah uh, a friend who I had been messaging when I first figured out that it existed messaged me today to say that their friend from high school is in it and was on the Nifred carpet which was fun and yeah I'm going to see it on Saturday that sounds cool. Uh, what is the yeah, rest of A24's they, year this year? Do they have their... their... All Dirt Road's Taste of Soul, yeah. which also has played at New York for like the first time since Sundance. They're putting out in November. Right. Uh, and, uh, Priscilla and... is also November. Priscilla sure. is the next... Or no, the next thing is Dix is coming out in like a week. Right. Or is it in limited and right then, now? Is it limited right... Yeah, I, I think, think we're, so. we're getting in in maybe like a week and a half. Uh, and then... Uh, Priscilla is like early November limited, mid November. Right, and then Dream Scenario. Right, Dreams. They've got they've got a bunch of stuff. Yeah, they're putting out a bunch of stuff. I mean, they also then yeah. Other movies we'll we'll talk about like in our Nif Rap like sort of reaction thing here. But I was looking at a list. There's a lot of stuff coming out like mid November through December. It is like weirdly stacked with a lot. For of stuff. sure, there's like yeah, and there's stuff that like you wouldn't necessarily that you that that feels like it could be like a they could hold on to it. Like I think Janice is putting out Last Summer, which is cool that that that's coming out in November. Fallen Leaves, movies putting out in November. And for sure, all of these things are like, will these play in movie theaters? Like, it really, it really, like, I don't know. I, I'm sure in New York, it's fine. But, like, here, I've been feeling this year, it is, like, really dire as compared to even last year. Uh, and I don't know exactly why, but it's, like, the multiplex gets independent movies less often. The landmarks are showing things that aren't independent less often. Like, like I feel like Janice started off with a pretty good foothold, and now it's like Janice movies don't play here, which I don't know if that's well, like yeah. a them having a running yeah. start and then, or just something yeah, going last on summer, here. Or... Last summer's an interesting drop. I do wonder, like, it, does Anatomy of a Fall have a release date, like in America? Anatomy of a Fall is yes. coming out very. I'm getting. Soon. I'm and seeing that, that uh, every time yeah. I go to my art house. Is I get the trailer for that. Oh, and like the a bunch of AMC's here are already sure, selling tickets that's cool. to Anatomy of a Fall. The Draft House is selling. Does Does Taste of Things have a release date? Because they right. they'll probably right. They'll probably put it out this year because yeah. it's the French. But it, well, because it. They might the yeah. submission and it might they be might a do like a January unfortunately thing, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what I assumed but yeah there's just like so much stuff like Maestro May December like a lot of the Netflix stuff is like sure. piling up yeah, yeah Netflix has a lot of stuff like and they, and then they're they bought, really like, they bought three things out of TIFF and like the, not, probably none of them are gonna come out this year like no um yeah yeah it's a uh, it's a crowded crowded winter crowded fall winter Maestro had its big premiere. Mm-hmm. Right, York. which I seemed to go well for them. Seems to uh, go well. What 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 they wanted uh, yeah. after the after the yeah. the Venice. Um, oh, I guess I can for Ferrari. I can say I had a friend in London who didn't see it, but had talked to a bunch of people, and it seemed to have gone sort of tepidly in London. Sure. That's not surprising. Yeah. Um, 
I feel like I've heard the first few voices of all of, uh, descent on all of us strangers start to come out. Yeah. Uh, people still into the Hamaguchi, because that movie's great. Um... I mean, I... Oh, I can say that I saw La Practica, the Martine Reitman movie. Uh, how is that is, movie? I am very It's curious. great. I love it. Uh, it's it's the same lead actor as The Delinquents, another movie that's just coming out in like a week. Um, La Practica is not. Uh, but yeah, that movie's great. Uh, very, really funny. It, it, like, it, ju it is just a, like, pretty silly very deadpan but pretty silly comedy um there's you know a lot of like physical bits um i mean i don't know i'll go on my the reaction to the beast is still it's that movie is just so strange and i feel like people are acknowledging that it is strange uh but i don't know maybe it's like a quote-unquote spoiler thing uh but it does seem as if the people are just like not saying that for a third of the movie george mckay is playing elliot roger which i feel like is a thing that people should maybe know before they decide to go see the movie, uh, Elliot Roger being the, uh, the mass shooter, uh, from Santa Barbara about ten years ago, uh, who had an incel manifesto. Uh, so I don't know, I, I'm not quite, uh, you, I, I, I think the few people who I have talked about it, I, I, I don't know, like, I'm not quite ready to be like, this is too much, but, uh... It might be too much. I mean, I don't know. The movie is the but that Bonello movie. That's like, I feel like this is a game you both have played on Letterbox on time of trying to find the movie that has like every star from like one to five. And I feel like that Bonello sure. movie might be one of those movies where it's like, yes. I know people who hate it. I know people who think it's kind of bad. I know people who think it's kind of good, and I know people who love it. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel the... Maybe I haven't read enough, but the, the conversation around it, I would say, currently feels somewhat incomplete. That's fair. I don't know that... I guess I Janice yeah. bought that as well, and I'm sure that will not be out until next year. Yeah. I guess in all fairness, if you asked me to write about the beast, I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this thing. It's just doing a lot of stuff. Oh, for sure. It would be tough. Yeah. Um, Close Your Eyes still doesn't have a distributor. That's kind of... Well, I don't know. His movies, <laughs> you know. They're weird. He say he hasn't made a movie in 30 years. I guess it's not crazy that that doesn't have a distributor. Yeah. Um, It's also about a director who can't uh, make movies or get his movies seen or distributed. I mean, I think a big thing with New York reactions of just movies that haven't been seen in a while is me being like, oh, I guess people liked May, December. Some people are, are like, like oh, it. I sure. think it's weird to people. To now I'm like, people think that's like a masterpiece, the best movie that's got the best movie of the year. And I'm very excited for it. I now. mean, yeah, it's uh, the maybe the best uh, living director has a new movie. So 
for sure. I, of course, from pandemic times, I'm still on, like, a lot of random film festivals mailing lists from, like, having bought, like, a mm-hmm. single digital screening mm-hmm. yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I'm getting, you know, emails from, like, the Hamptons being, like... That one. We've we've a- we've added Nyad and American Fiction screenings, <laughs> and Alec Baldwin I mean, did a Q and A or whatever. It's like I, I know wait. for for what? I don't. He just loves the Hamptons Film Festival. Did he moderate? I think or, so. Right. Um, I think Alden Ehrenreich premiered a short film he directed at the Hamptons Film Festival. Don't ask me why I know that information because I don't remember. It must have been an email from a publicist. That's the no. only way you could know. I, I now remember it. It is. I think. I, I think it was. The Criterion posted a photo of Alden Ehrenreich in the Criterion closet, being like, "Alden Ehrenreich was just stopped by our thing, and he also sure. is premiering his new mm-hmm. short film at the Hamptons Film Festival." Good for Alden having made a short film. I guess he's having. He's just determined to have an interesting year. Uh, Interesting like, I'm gonna is that sure? Yeah, I'm getting all sorts of emails. I don't know. Philadelphia is happening soon. Sure. Middleburg, the like big pseudo Telluride, is in a cup that happens mm-hmm. like a uh, half hour west of Dulles uh, soon. Will not be attending that, even though it's sort of close because it is. A uh, town in the middle of nowhere that is not accessible via public transportation. Sure. Um, you know, it's festival season. Maybe there's one near it's you. Festival. Just Google. Yeah. Check it out. Festival in your state or the, the biggest city near you. Right. Maybe yeah. there's something you weren't aware of. Uh, we were just talking about Annie Baker, and I was like, why not talk about one of her plays? Because then. Yeah. We don't have to watch a movie. More to sure. come on that particular front. Uh, but we're starting right. here In with the yeah, The Antipodes, uh, n- which was the most recent play until the one that uh, just premiered in New York that Amelia <laughs> saw that uh, I hoped I might be able to see, but it is not possible in any way to get tickets to. Uh, yeah, she does that. I'm um, sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't know. The Antipodes, I read... I feel like I... I, I think I read many of her plays, her plays, like, over a period of time. I did kind sure. of dole them out. I, I guess I've never read John. Uh, no. I think I've read all the other ones. I was just saying, John, I have, like, no idea. I don't, I don't know a thing about John. The only thing I know about John is that it was Christopher Abbott and Hong Chow. Sure. Um... But yeah, the Antipodes about a a writer's room. I don't know. Let's say yes, about a writer's room. I guess I was going to say we can say who Annie Baker is. Annie Baker sure. is a wonderful playwright. Uh, I think a, a favorite of all of ours to various extents. Sure, she uh, um, you know she broke onto the scene sort of in like the late aughts. Um, yes, with the Vermont cycle. Yes, uh, Circle Mere Transformation. Yes. Was the first I remember hearing about her. I was in college at the time, and that was like such a huge hit off Broadway that they like brought mm-hmm. it back for a commercial off Broadway run, which is like pretty mm-hmm. rare that a nonprofit mm-hmm. like show will will transfer to commercial off Broadway, which is uh-huh. uh, usually dominated by 
you know, things like The Office, a musical parody, or like, sure. you know, uh-huh. um, Tony and Tina's Wedding, like that sort of stuff uh-huh. is the usual stuff you find at commercial off-Broadway. But sometimes someone will uh, try to do something yeah. artistic uh, there. Um, and yeah, so I, that's the only play of hers I have seen perform. Yeah, I have never seen one perform. Yes. Uh, I, I would imagine Infinite Life within the next, like, two to three years someone will put on here. Sure. Uh, but, yeah. And then, like, the, the Flake is the one that won the Pulitzer, right? Yes, and famously yes. was, like, incredibly controversial at the time it's funny uh, to I, think about yeah, yeah I, again yeah, having I, only read it i read the yeah. new york times review of antipodes after i read antipodes and it it starts with the like people walking out of the like three and oh, a well, half antipodes, hour three and a half antipodes hour. it's much easier for me to see going no but it's like them descri- the ben brantley describing like the walkouts of the flick of people walking the out oh, of the, like the like three the and a walk- three and a half hour long the flick right, right. this is the thing is <laughs> yes. the flick was legendarily like People were like, you cannot not speak for this long. Like, they were like, the subscribers were like up in arms about how much silence was happening on the stage. Uh, It's so much so that I believe the the artistic director had to like write a letter being like, I'm sorry that you didn't like the play (laughs) where there were a lot of pauses. Uh, which I believe uh, somewhat burned uh, Playwrights Horizons' relationship with Annie Baker, but that's theater gossip that I don't know too much about, and I probably shouldn't speak too much about. That's um, uh, um. yes. So, um, so yeah. So we, you know, we've we've all uh, read a, a handful of her plays. Um, yeah. Uh, they're great together and apart. Yes, yeah. but good. I think I I'm the only one who had read this until a few days ago. Right? That's right. I yes, I remember yes. when this show was happening, um, because uh, Josh Charles was in it, and it was one of his mm-hmm. uh, uh, big Good Wife follow ups. Um, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember like all the uh, the 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 press fo- or the stills coming out, uh, which the the set was basically like it was a table and then just like crates and crates and crates of LaCroix. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and yeah. it was Which like... Which one was Josh Charles? It was Dave. Sure, Dave. that makes sense. Um, makes sense. Yes. And, uh, and I, yeah, people, I do remember, yeah, people making a lot of jokes about the LaCroix uh, on the set, like all the mm-hmm. theater, all the theater Twitter people that I followed at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which I think the script just says seltzer. Sure. I believe. Um, so, you know, maybe we, we do a, we, we, what's the fucking re, re, we remount it is not the word, but close enough with revival. We do a revival with Waterloo. Sure. Jesse's holding up a a can of seltzer to the, to the camera. Um, a can of Waterloo cherry limeade. Okay. All right. They're welcome to give us money if they want. Um, anyone anyone is welcome to give us money sure um but yeah this i i had only like known the very you know the 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 i feel like Mm -hmm. they people annie baker it's she's built such a mystique around herself lately Mm -hmm. that like they will just Uh go with like the new annie baker play is coming it stars x y and z that's all you're getting and like that'll yeah. be enough for people to Makes like sense. be like I'm fucking stoked for that like give me a ticket yeah. like um, I mean and then also all 
That's basically what the Janet Planet pitch is right yeah. now. I'm sure there will be a trailer before it comes out. Yeah, but. to be fair, like, I don't know if you were trying to sell the antipodes, like, what details you would even give them of it. Yeah, you can't really tell, like, even New Yorkers, like, it's a play about a writer's room without, huh? And then you're like, oh, for, like, a TV show? And then you're like, uh... Well, kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. <laughs> right. Maybe maybe it's also just, uh, you know, a, the writer's room for mytholo- myth- mythology itself. I don't know. Who's, who's yeah. to say? Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we all read this play, like, this week. Uh, I think you, you were brushed up on it, Jesse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read yeah. it for the first time. I believe Emilio had also read it for the first time. Um, and we're gonna discuss it like a book club or a play club or whatever, yeah. Uh, or like it's a movie or whatever. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it. So, what do we all yep. think of the Antipodes? I love it. It's uh, I don't know if it's my favorite of hers, but if I were gonna direct something of hers, it would be the Antipodes for sure. Uh, it it feels very much like a. A thing that, that that is just like very special and strange that it exists and that I get to read it and you know hopefully see it someday though I, I'm sure it will not be one of her more frequently revived plays Andy if you had to ge- generally describe the plot of the Antipodes you want me to give a three sentences of action to tell you what happens in the Antipodes <laughs> Sure. This is going back to my dramaturgy days. Shout out Jenny Warner. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay, so it's we um, did we did activate Andy again. We we reactivated Andy. It's been a while, but I'm yeah. fully active. Well, I don't actually think we ever. I believe you made it clear that it was not possible to deactivate sure. you, but we're refreshing the activation. That's right. Um, yeah. So okay. So it is. Um, uh, a, a Los Angeles writer's room is getting together. There's an older... Is it uh, L.A.? I think so. Because of the... I, it, whatever. Um, uh, there's an older, um, experienced showrunner who is running mm-hmm. the room. Uh, and uh, there are a few experienced writers and a few new writers uh, mm-hmm. who are joining... And we don't get that much information about the thing that they are writing other than that it involves, like, mythology uh, in mm-hmm. some way. And the way this room runs is they all just tell stories about their lives and, and things that have happened to them, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, is presented in, uh, I think, you know, it's very interesting, you know, it, it, you know, it, it is uh, a well-examined sort of piece of, like, well, what does that mean when we say, like... Um, like, like, and we're all just going to be comfortable with whatever everyone says. And this is like a safe space for anyone to say whatever they want. Um, there's a lot of interesting dynamics there. Uh, and and essentially, so it's, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of them. Uh, you know, some people don't turn out to be good fits and stuff. And eventually the, um, the, the showrunner, uh, figure becomes more and more distracted and less present Mm -hmm. in the room and there's sort yeah. of an, encroci- an, an encroaching sense of chaos from the world around them. Uh, yes. Sort of like biblical level stuff is, is sort of happening. Um, mm-hmm. And eventually, like, sort of like it fully leaves reality. Uh, and yes. is like, there's like, a, you know, there's like horrible flooding happening. 
and they are like it seems like they are like building creation myths themselves sort of um and then it sort of gets to the place where it's like they are they're getting the the plug pulled the project's not going forward is essentially sort of Mm -hmm. where where we end up um yes uh in 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 this is like they they basically yeah yeah, though then there's you know it ends on the uh the stories uh, that one of them had written as a children uh, as a child so that it doesn't has to have to be uh you know just to have like a slightly more uh sure there's like on a, a right. note of ambiguity without necessarily having like narrative ambiguity sure it is yeah it's interesting when you say that it eventually breaks from reality cuz i certainly the monologue that Sarah has a, probably around where the the second act would meet the third act. Sure. Was one that was memorable for me, but it did... I, I don't know if I even noticed that the first time, that that basically is where the schism happens. That before that, they're all telling stories, and they're all just, like, stories that could happen to people. And there's maybe, like, some reference to some of the outside stuff. Uh, but then uh, Sandy calls in uh, basically like their page or whatever, right. his assistant to tell a story that is just like a full on fairy tale. I ran into a witch who wanted to eat me and a doll right. uh, told me how to escape. Right. And so much so that you're like, is this is she just describing a dream she had? Like is sort of like right. the, the, the impression that you get. But then, like, there's none of that language yes, but in there like, to, like... Yes, and is even, like, I think written in su- in such a, like, in a casual enough way that, like, you can, you can imagine how it would just come across as, like, you know, someone be like, oh, and then uh, my yeah. mother was mean and she locked me in my room and... Uh, and then ends with her be Or I guess it's in the middle where she's like, you're sure this isn't too boring? Right. Uh, but yeah. So I, yeah, it is. I don't right. Know. And I would say, yeah, the first moment where I was like, oh, there's something up here, uh, is before that, is the where where Sandy talks about like he taught me X Y Z or he taught me uh-huh. everything I know. Oh yeah. Where he just sort of is using this repeated sentence structure yeah, over and he, over yeah, to describe his relationship some... with his mentor, and it sort of seems yes. Uh, non-natural in some way. No, it, the um, way it's written on the page is like a very specific. The the repeated yeah, it's like, part, like it's like another yeah, slightly yeah. yes, yeah. yeah it's arranged sure diagonally it in a way where I'm like, it's interesting that someone would write a play in a way that is visual <laughs> yes. like this. But uh, maybe yeah. it, maybe there is a specific way it comes across on stage that I'm not getting. But maybe. I mean, I th- you know, part of what it just comes across is that, like, this, this I'm sure to an actor, is just, like, this piece of the play is, like, a piece of sort of poetry. Yeah. Uh, and there's, like, yeah, and it's, it, it's, like, it indicates a sort of specific rhythm to it. It sort of indicates, yeah. like, the sort of play breaking weirdness of it of just like yeah how for a play that has very natural dialogue for the most part with just like it diverting into this more poetic sort of, yes. sort of phrase yeah yeah which like the that 
that the you, you know it, there's this story and then there's these references to these sort of apocalyptic things and then there is eventually uh some sort of ritual performed on stage by one of the characters that is uh i don't know i guess nothing necessary or i was gonna say nothing necessarily supernatural happens during the ritual but then uh shortly after it you've got the the bit where she's like a jellyfish or a sea or a seahorse or something uh, comes out when he throws up. Yeah. So yeah, there there is it it eventually like very specifically breaks into the physical space of the play as well. Yeah. There's no no vagueness about the level of unreality by the end of the play, even yeah. though it is right brought well, back in a little sure. bit and it's it, right and it is constantly anchored by the like the hollywood machinery that they are sort yes. of serving like no matter what level of sort of reality is is happening and what the things that they're saying mm-hmm. and they're pitching or whatever there is always the like well and then we gotta like order lunch or we gotta right. you know yes. we gotta do x y and z or do you can you take are you taking notes or like all the like the little nitty gritty of like what it is to actually work in a writer's room, I think, like is yeah, which is, is, is a grounding presence throughout yeah. the whole play. Yes, I know she she has a writing credit on an episode of I Love Dick, but I don't yes. know if that had a room or if she, you know, maybe she was in it for some of the time or, uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure knows plenty of people who have been in rooms. She does have a little more of a background in television, like because she like worked on reality shows for a while. She was like a PA oh. on on reality shows. Um, uh, Another uh, Kelly Riker connection. Yeah. Uh, um, she was a researcher for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Uh, yeah, she has a lot of mm. uh, interesting interesting credits. So she's, sure. clearly, she's familiar with the Hollywood production. Yeah. Uh, cycle. Mm-hmm. If even if she hasn't been like staffed up very often. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that is. I I think that is an interesting element of like. You know the Hollywood satire or whatever, is yeah. like kind of an interesting hook, for a New York theater audience. And, like, mm-hmm. you often feel like you have a good idea of what you're going to get from something like that. But this play really does, like, sort of just completely upend those expectations by the nature yes. of the, the outside world. And also, I would say, the content of the thing they're working on. Um, mm. Where, you you know, the, it's the, the, the very first lines of dialogue in the play, right, are them talking about, like monsters and mythological things who they like they're just sort of trying to list them or name them to sort of like i guess sort of land on like what their their thematic their character sort of thematic idea is gonna be for whatever they're they're writing um but uh, yeah and it's never it is never clear it's like is this a yeah. A, a series? Is this a movie? What's going on? Yes, yeah. The, um, the first line of the play is no dwarves or elves or trolls. Yes. Um, And I did say, as far as the, uh, the, um, uh, the, the, I guess the, the work, Hollywood or even just workplace satire, the, 
I, I mentioned when I started rereading it that it's funny that the one, you know, we talked about the flick, that the uh, the big thing of that was how slow it is, and there is a note that is, like, in the, in the written version of the play, the published version, that's like, however slow you think this should be, it should be much slower. Uh, and the one little note below the character... Uh, names and age ranges is I worked off the assumption that both Eleanor and Adam were hired due to pressure from HR. Uh, which I right. suppose is we do later uh, get a story about a character who was hired due to pressure from HR uh, that ends with him being like, never fucking make me do that again. Which is... It, we, you know, that's that's the like closest to the like a very sort of modern type of Hollywood satire, but what we might expect. And it's very strange in that, like, the the way that, that this character, Alejandra, the way that uh, Sandy, the showrunner, is talking about her is, like, clearly very problematic. But also, like, her... Yeah. It is, like, her conduct is uh, pretty clearly ridiculous. And then it ends with her disappearing and never being heard from again. So even the, like, place where right. it's, like, the little, So much like, so that, like, gotten... her friends and family are, like, where has she right. gone? Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 like, little bit of, like, uh, recognizable, like, have we gotten too woke uh, ends like that and also doesn't have any sort of clear... Uh, you know, satiric uh, standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, another thing in the, just like the written version of the play that I found interesting, because it is sort of, it is sort of similar and has some differences to what ha the sort of general structure of infinite life is when, mm -hmm. is that she states like, an asterisk indicates a leap forward in time. This leap forward in time should be indicated right. by subtle shift in actor behavior and movement without light to sound. Yeah. Right. She doesn't Very. want the blackouts or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, which I think at first, I mean, when I read that and first throughout the play, I sort of more took that as just like an artistic choice of just like how to represent, you know, wanting to do the play without like having necessarily having like exit lines of dialogue or just like an end scene mm -hmm, right. just having it be yeah. having it be more fluid and then at the towards what things start bringing down at the end of the play I, mm -hmm. you sort of get it it's like oh that was more of a choice to get you to question just yes. how long these people have been time. here yeah yeah the passage of time yeah and like yeah for even, sure like even w whether whether there is a world outside of this room even and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. There, it is like there's a lot of very specific instructions, and then a lot of latitude about how to deal with them and how to stage them and what the thing looks like. Uh, like it does, yeah, you know, in the, like, in, the in fact that oh, I was going to say the fact that the uh, the role that was played by Hugh Dancy was played by Hugh Dancy. I'm sure means that. He just recorded that dialogue, but they, it doesn't say anywhere like this is a cameo of someone who has recorded dialogue. Certainly you could have a British person uh, show up every night to read 15 garbled lines. 
Sure. Yeah. Because uh, in Infinite Life, there is sort of a similar thing where there are hardly ever any like hard ends to scenes. It, mm-hmm. it, but it, it is sort of called out more where a character will say eight hours later and then there will be a shift in lighting and then there, it will just be like a direct mm. continue just like a, a different thing will be happening but everybody is sort of like sort of standing in the same place and it is you can just tell like oh this is just like a different conversation uh, like an extension of the other conversation uh-huh. or whatever uh-huh yeah i mean like she was going to direct infinite life when they almost put it up in 2021 uh, and then i would imagine was maybe too bu- was just like too busy finishing post on uh janet planet or maybe also decided she wasn't interested in doing that but for sure like this play and it sounds like infinite life are both like very writery plays and very like i'm giving a director a thing a, a thing to do uh sure yeah uh is interesting to think about her maybe wanting to direct theater and also like they uh film at lincoln center was posting some quotes from uh the uh a conversation that she did with raven jackson earlier today uh where she said like yeah i mean i i like theater but i've always known much more about film than about theater and have wanted to make movies for longer than I've been interested in making plays. Uh, so it it is, it, you know, she is clearly great at making plays. And, like, you look at her Criterion uh, top ten uh, from a while ago, like 20, maybe around the time of the flick. Uh sure. And it's like, oh, yeah, clearly she, like, is very serious about film. Uh, but, yeah, the the idea of... Der- I, I don't know. It, it's interesting to me that it's so uncommon for playwrights to direct their own work. I guess it... I'm sure some of it is, like, a, I don't know. I'm sure you could explain a lot about why that's the case, Andy. Uh, and I, I'm sure. sure I can guess it's some of the reasons why. It's kind. Of, I I can certainly see how it could be seen as kind of like gauche. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it is just sort of the thing of like you know, theater is such such a collaborative medium that like mm-hmm. it is like, it's a little bit. Like you have to be focused on such different things when you're like directing a play versus when you're writing it, and like uh-huh. especially like right. if it's a new play and you are like making changes and writing new scenes and 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 adjusting things like having to do that on top of like making sure like okay and then we have this fight choreography is that all worked out and is that integrated well into like Mm -hmm. there's like it's like it is like two very different worlds Uh to to, Uh for a new production especially i you know yes there are definitely writers who do who do direct um yeah uh, i've heard of it happening i know yeah um but even like like even for like a one man show where it's like a writer performer usually uh-huh. there is an outside yeah. director for that sort uh-huh. of a thing um uh just because like it is very helpful to have especially like when it's not um 
on on film and you can't like check the dailies or whatever like it's helpful to have right. someone who's able to like watch it and like give notes like sense. from the outside um but yeah yeah and so it might just be like in some ways just like a matter of like how that role is defined yeah yeah, um, just having more outside eyes on it, just like having, yeah, just having... uh, yeah. I it, it makes sense that like there would be playwrights who are like actively participating in the the rehearsal and production of the play at the first time it runs, but are not taking that role of director because of what that means in that infrastructure. Yeah, because I know like uh, Andy also like read the mike nichols autobiography and there's a lot of stuff right. about mm. him directing plays in it and it it, mm-hmm. it does get into a lot of stuff of just like yeah like someone like neil simon will be around for like when the play is still developing and when you're like workshopping it and when you're like taking it around mm-hmm. the initial places before you're like doing a big broadway opening or whatever or even a little mm-hmm. past that but like at some uh-huh. point yeah it exits you uh-huh yeah yeah it makes sense yeah and i guess like i guess to get deeper into the antipodes um sure. i've only like i've read the flick and the aliens but that was a while ago so i, I am sort of yeah. struggling mm-hmm. to remember if there was any element of like magical realism in those i know there's some it's there's some very... fantasy stuff i know in like the flick there is uh, like some imagined yeah. stuff not like fantasy like with dragons yes. or whatever but uh, <laughs> uh yeah what were you gonna say jesse about the i was gonna say there, there's some like very light amount of it in the flick is my memory right but, i yeah, feel like what uh, you were yeah saying. and i feel like it is very often like in the denouement right like it's like in the ending there's like right. a, a larger yes. symbolic sort of existential like departure from reality um yes. which i feel like is comes sooner in this play than i remember it coming in any of her other plays yes it's and it's more sort comes of fundamental sooner. yeah more fundamental much more protracted yeah yeah it's like, yes I, I sort of think of the aliens in the flick of similar terms and how their structure is where it's like there are there are these plays about sort of young people and her positive and those are sort of used to denote like the emptiness of like passing time between these people just like these boring moments mm-hmm. that happen between people yeah whereas i think in this in an antipathy then an infinite life it, it, it is sort of it is used to sort of denote like a sort of awkwardness or just like pause in converse in sort of just uh-huh. like confrontations and conversations yeah it's, it's for sure I mean, like, used so, yeah. in in the flick and the aliens to the to some extent uh-huh. there also but yeah, the the circle mirror mirror transformation is like much less pausey and the much more that also is about I guess a lot of them are in some ways about artistic process, but that's also more directly about uh, art, uh, a specific forum for artistic process uh, being set in like a community acting class. Yeah, where it's like infinite life, it's sort of that play is sort of set in this like camp for like women who have like pain and illness and diseases who are trying to like Mm. find a way to overcome them. But it's really, I guess what it reminded me of the, Eva and the Antipodes is just like, 
they are both these plays that are mostly just set around this group of people and this place and just like the sort of weird effect that this place has on these people more than being mm-hmm. like anybody's journey which is not to say that like the flick is sure. very journey but it does sort of like take these specific characters from one yeah. place to another whereas it, 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 like infinite life and antipodes is more of just like an environment yes. having an effect on an ensemble of people infinite yeah, life there aren't really like character arcs in the antipodes yeah like infinite life has a little bit of that it ha- in that it has like mm-hmm. sort of a more defined main character than antipodes has mm. But it's not. Mm-hmm. But it does have like scenes without that person, and it is sort of more generally about like mm. the space mm-hmm. and the sort of like weird uh, outside of reality magical sort of uh, effect of that place on these people eventually. Hmm. Um. Can we talk about Danny M too, who is maybe sure. I think is, is is the character who I was like maybe the most interested in um in in on this first reading of this play who he uh-huh. is like he's brought into the room he's like you know he's like I'm thanks for the opportunity I'm really excited he's like one of the younger writers um I think he is described in the um the description is 35 to 45 so he is a little bit on the yes. younger side as uh-huh. like as a, as a writer writer um yes and the the explanation of this character name is that very early on uh, you find out that there's two Dannys, uh, one of whom was in the previous room uh, yes. of this nature. And I, I think uh, they, he said, uh, Sandy says to the second one, all right, well, you'll have to be Danny M. And then the other one says, oh, I'm Danny M too. Right. Uh, which the the actors who originated those roles right. are, are also, not Danny everyone M's. is playing their name, but they are both Danny M's. Right. Uh, and then uh, Danny and, M1 yeah. wants to be called Flasheroo. Yes, uh, which only which happens <laughs> one time. Yes, <laughs> but uh, and he's yeah. like, "What?" <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so Danny yeah. M two, he like, so they, they the process of this writers' room, right, is that they are telling very personal stories, including like mm-hmm. the, the one of the first big set pieces is they're all telling like their virginity losing right. stories, and he and Danny M two passes, uh, yes. and like is very uncomfortable. Um, and the stage directions say, it it looks like there's a chance he might start crying. Like he's like clearly like very uncomfortable with this process. And then later on, he's like clearly trying to force himself to participate and like be a part of this process. And he's really bad at it. He like, he like just sort of tells these like rambly stories that like don't really, track and are like have a lot of like weird details and stuff in them um and like it and then at a certain point he's just like he tells a story that i think makes everyone incredibly uncomfortable um Mm -hmm. and then shortly after that sandy leaves the room you um uh uh, sarah says like hey can you go meet Mm -hmm. sandy in his office and then you never see him again uh, yeah, it's clear it he says he exits right. for good. For good, um, and it, you know, Sandy at the very top says like, "I don't fire people. Like that's not how this works, or whatever." He's yeah. like, you know, um, uh, and I just like, yeah, his his character was the one where I was most like, yeah, what's going on here? Like I can't quite figure out like what the utility of this character is as the piece not that it needs to have a like one 
utility in yeah. the piece. But I, I was just very intrigued by the way that he fit in with the ensemble. And then he truly does just disappear. And, like, they don't even reference him again. Like, he... Uh, I don't think they do. There's a do there, there's a very brief scene where a few of them discuss whether or not they miss him. Sure. Uh, there's not a lot. Certainly not a lot of like pomp around it. There's no like oh what no. If it's just like, and they don't uh, tell stories about him the way they like told stories about Alejandro or whatever. Um, no, certain. And it is like, yeah, it's interesting that we have this. Uh, Clearly, Sandy has this idea of, like, what makes the room not work uh, that is leading to him having this pretty uh, monochromatic room. And that does not seem to be what the problem is in this case. Yeah. Um, Which, yeah. And then I think, like, yeah, the, the, the way that he disappears and then contrast that with the way that Sandy disappears, uh, sort Uh of in the back third, uh, and it's sort of like it's a real poochy situation where like anytime he's not on stage everyone's saying where's sandy yes, like what's you sandy get, like doing? a montage of excuses that sarah's delivering yeah but uh, before yeah. you do eventually have a like them dealing with him not being their scene i, I do think if it i think it is be, slightly before that montage where the assistant say is it is that uh sarah it's sarah yes yeah, is like Oh, yeah, like, you know, like, a project isn't going to go forward once he, like, starts, stops to show up. Like, if he's, if he's not here, he, like, she, like, mm-hmm. gives that explanation, and then it it, it it instantly goes into, like, the montage that... of him being, like, uh-huh. Well, sorry, I, like, my kid had this thing, or, like, oh, I have to go do this other thing, and it, and he just, like, stops showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which then, like, it is, like, you know, they feel very directionless, right, when Sandy is, like, not, Mm -hmm. like, showing up, but then he is then not, and there's all this stuff about, like, how many different stories are, the types of stories are there in the world, like, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And then he is not present for the, like, the big showpiece monologue uh, yeah, which uh, is such a strange big showpiece monologue. Certainly, w- right where in that I'm I don't think it's supposed to be good. This idea that this guy at it's just like a it feels to me like a very bland sort of combination of existing mythologies. Sure, like there's a lot of Greek. It, it yeah. feels very right. Greek. It's very right. The Cobbled God's together, head right. split open, but then there's some Bible stuff and right. Um and yeah, and that's like it's interesting that like that goes on for so long. They're like, wait, you're not taking notes on this? Like, what's going right. on? Yeah. Uh, and then like he sort of gets it back, but not really. And then, but that is like the moment where they're like, yeah. we, we finally have something. Like we have. Like, we have, yes. like, the nut of, like, what the, like, we have the artistic core of what this project is going to be or whatever yes. it is. Right? Um, yeah. And. Uh, Which is also in the middle of that is when Brian uh, vomits out the small sea creature and then right. also leaves. And Sarah takes over as, like, the writer's assistant and is, like, yes. hugely, like, 
you know, it's a, yeah, it's a huge moment it's a for big, her. like, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then it just sort of devolves into, like, they're, like, it's, it is the end of the world on, like, a, you know, we, we hear all this, like, environmental stuff that is happening, and then yeah. they do discuss sort of the, like, mythological, like, idea of, of, you know, cycles or whatever, of, like, mm-hmm. it is perhaps time for the Earth to, like, go into a period of dormancy for yes. a thousand years or whatever uh-huh. it is. A hundred um, thousand. Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, longer than it's a lifetime. The... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know about the uh the what is described as a hindu idea whether that is uh real or has some basis in actual hindu thinking or is just this guy saying shit yeah uh but yeah there's these four hundred thousand year cycles that each is worse than the last and then it starts after the after the fourth cycle there's a time of like regrowing that is as long as the cycles combined right um and that's sort of like the the place we end in right like that is the yeah, well, we have we have Sandy come back, yeah, and he's like, yeah, you, you might have been on to something with that. I think maybe the time for stories is done. Right. I'm going to go uh, off right. into, the, into the woods and hang out with my family, and uh, I'll make sure you get paid, but maybe find something else to do, because this is uh, not, a, not, a, not a lot of future in this line of work. Right thing. Yeah. Uh, except, uh, and yeah. then you have uh, Eleanor reading the stories she, the very first stories she'd written that she got from her mother's flooded basement. Yeah. Which are like very simple and there the stories is. that a four-year-old would write. Right. Yeah. I guess it's like a. This is a very interesting play to read. Because sure. yes. I think out of, like, by the end, I thought it was very, it was, like, pretty good and extremely interesting. But out of all her plays, I feel like th- this is the one that felt the most to me, like, I don't know if this is almost too mean to say when I don't mean it like that. But it's almost felt like an exercise where it's just, like. Sure. I see what you mean. Where it's, like. It's sort of building a play out of this idea and this like out of this so almost somatic idea of just like the usefulness yes. of life of just like people trying to debate it in the context of this writer's room and just like how yeah how useful like how people will like sometimes tell these stories and other people will be like oh that's good we need to use that versus other people who like, people who are focused on work and, like, the product of what these stories are getting them versus the value of just saying them. Yeah, and, like... and I mean, like, her plays are usually... A lot of her plays have fewer characters than this and have these sort of, like, just, like, there's so many rich specifics about their lives that come in through the play. And, like, this play is specifically about commodifying that. Uh, from people, but we get less of the actual uh, what that is from these characters. Like, most of them only get, like, one or two, like, here's a little bit where I'm going to talk about myself. Uh, and we don't, like, we, we don't have any idea what these people's lives are, like, currently 
when or if they're not in this room. Yeah. That, that, that's why I say I'm, I'm sort of judging it on just, like, the weirdness of reading it. Because I can see how it would be an incredibly fun place to, like, direct and be in. Because there's a lot, it's, like, has a lot of space yeah. to work in. And also to watch of just, like, sharing that physical yes. space with, like, the performance happening. And yes. just, like, the weirdness, just, like, the, the creeping weirdness of its environment slowly hitting you that it, it like even hits you in a way when you're just reading it but i can imagine it really hitting you yeah when you're like and like inhabiting the space yes and i'm sure there like are actors who would bring a little more warmth to it and i'm sure there's our act and directors and i'm sure there are actors and directors who would not do that and that would also be interesting yeah some people who would play it very cynically and other people who would play it a little warmer and just like that balance not even cynically necessarily, but like playing it in a more sort of like, uh, again, exercise is, is a, is a rude word, but in, in like a more sort of, uh, calculate, not cal, but just like, you can see the like version that's very like, I am just here to service this very strange dialogue, uh, and there's the version that's like, I'm going to really find the humanity in these characters who are kind of uh, losing it through the process that is happening in the play and also just through the way that the play is written. Yeah. Yeah. And it is sort of... Uh... I guess, Jesse, you might also be a better judge of this. I was just like, it does feel a little, like, long-form improv I was just like, all, um, all these people arriving, huh. and then you, like, slowly learning about Sure, it's it. a little, like, a madness scene. Yeah. Like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's not what most long-form improv is like, but if you, if you may, well, I, I sort of. I think if you... Uh, started doing this in an improv scene uh so it would be like stop this is you can't do an improv scene about a writer's room come the fuck on yeah sure. um <laughs> um yeah there, for sure there's like a, there's a very just like it's a it's a theoretical space that the that the thing exists in yeah and I guess I guess what I sort of mean is just like it's the sort of space where until something happens, I don't even think about that thing having existed before it happens. I guess mm -hmm. and maybe that's a very yes. confusing way of stating it, but uh, I think you sure. know. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's uh... right. It's yeah. It's a real yeah. It the the. the you can th you th you would like when you're doing a version of this show, like I would feel like figuring out like the right table would be so important. Like figuring out yeah. like like you know, and I and I do think about all those the the photos of the original cast with like just the like comical amount of Lacroix, right? Yeah. Like and all that. Like the 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 stuff there where like you are establishing the environment that like when you first walk in you're not sure if this is just going to be like a like a satire uh or like something more right like mm -hmm. you know i think mm -hmm. the the play 
wants to surprise you in terms of like what the deeper themes are right like it wants you to be able to sort of take it at the surface level for a long time i think uh but like not but not but not the entire time like it like and it is like i think the shift from that is really important and it is like interesting like how grounded that can be in the physical space that you create as like a director of a production um and 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 what those and how those touches the like the surreal the surreal tr- touches can sort of be initially read as one one kind of choice and then eventually make way mm-hmm. to be a different kind of choice in terms of how you're you're creating and 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 selling this environment mm-hmm. yeah yeah that sort of like sort of vagueness sort of exerciseiness it it does make it interesting because it's like I don't know when I when you read it like a David Mamet play, sure. Even if you don't know who was ever in it or who was directing it, you can sort of there's like a specific picture in your mind of just like you know kind of know what that what that's mm-hmm. gonna be. Whereas like something like this, I can see like a different director or a different set of actors making turning it into mm-hmm. something fairly different through like no change to what's on the page, just like yeah. Through, there's like, a lot of space in it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I am. I'm looking now and I'm seeing. Um, yeah. I was going to bring this the, up. Uh, the British oh. production is not LaCroix. And it does actually, this time out, review mentions that she did co direct it in London with a sure. designer, uh, Chloe Lamford, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I can't. It must be some British seltzer that I've never uh-huh. heard of. It does not look especially familiar. Sure. Um, I w- would be remiss if we didn't mention that the original production in New York was directed by Lila Neugebauer, whom we yes, have spoken about uh, frequently on this podcast, director of Causeway, a.k.a. Red, White, and Water. Um, uh-huh. Uh, yeah, in this 2017, um, yeah, th- she was, she was, this was around when she was breaking out, I think. Uh, and... Annie mm-hmm. Baker has an interesting history with directors. Like she was really partnered with Sam Gold for a long time. Uh, right. And I don't think that they have done anything together for a while. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he's trying to break into film too, isn't he? I think or that's, has, has that's made some right. gestures towards that anyway. That's, per- I think that's right. Uh, he's, me- he's maybe directed some TV, maybe. Um, that sounds right. Uh, yeah, so Who's yeah. Gonna do that three sisters that they never got together. Oh, sure, with Greta Gerwig, which is still yeah. uh on on the docket apparently. Um Yeah. Which we'll see. He uh, did he did an episode of Girls season sure. season two, maybe? That or was... no, sorry. He did not direct an episode of Girls. He played a director in an episode of Girls. Sure. Uh and then he uh the the only TV show he did an episode of is he did an episode of The Affair, it looks like. And then he, of course, is Alphonse in White Noise, uh, one of the, I believe, the department chair. Sure. Uh, um, he was the voice of a character in the Jungle Book animated television series in 2019. Apparently. That That's seems crazy. Crazy. Um, yeah. This is a sort of a, a slight diversion. But do you know what Lila Nugabauer is doing next? 
She's doing a couple things in the next, like, six months, I feel like. There's a thing with Josh Radner, yes. I know. She is directing a play at the Public Theater by sure. I- Itamar Moses. Oh, sure. We love Itamar. Um, yeah, I but know. she's also, before that, doing uh, a play at second stage uh there's a brandon jacob jenkins play that sarah paulson is in that that is sure uh, that's starting like very soon yes i think that's a broadway uh they're doing yes. the, that at the haze at the their broadway house um yes. so that should be they... cool right this yeah, is right all the all the all the all the film and television stars who have uh yes. have uh Mm-hmm. Uh, strike uh-huh. breaks are are doing. Yes, some Corey theater. Stoll also in it. Natalie Gold from Succession. Sure. Um. Yeah. Josh Radner um, on stage. That was just. What... Yep. For uh, sure. Yeah. He it's was originally be... in the revival of She Loves Me that Zachary Levi ended up doing. Ugh, I will sure. just leave that. With no comment. Zachary Levi, pretty good in that revival. And Jesse, can you um, believe that in this play, Josh Radner plays a liberal academic? <laughs> uh, uh, well, who studies the liberal arts, perhaps? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, maybe, you know, he is back. We got Fleischman. Fleischman is in trouble. Did really sure. figure out Do Josh a lot Radner. For, for Josh Radner in, yeah. in Jesse's eyes, at the very least. Um, God, Fleischman is in trouble. Just uh... yeah, good show. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Hugh Dancy, Claire Danes. Yes. Uh, are they still together? I don't know. We're we're rambling. It's I feel like it's it's time to wrap up. I'm tired. Yeah. I want to go to bed. I was just looking. <laughs> I was just like looking at uh, Lila Mugabar's Wikipedia. I, I guess I'm surprised by how many things a theater director can direct, like back to back. She directed like it's. She directed yeah. like twelve plays in three years. Sure, I mean right. It's essentially like it's probably a six-week uh, everyday commitment to direct a play. Usually, something like six, six to eight mm-hmm. weeks, something like that of of like being there every day or whatever. And then before that, obviously, there's a lot of like meetings and and stuff in the run-up. Um, but I bet she's very good at scheduling if she's because she's she is able to work a lot. Um, yeah, good for her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, does anyone else have anything else they feel like they have to say about the intimities that no, they didn't get the chance to say? I mean, uh, Infinite Life is really good. People should watch, go watch Infinite Life. Uh, <laughs> it is, good luck. If it you is, can uh, get a ticket, please tell Jesse so, how to get a ticket. So what, what are the, like, the, <laughs> wow. the mechanics of what's happening? Is it just like it's a very small theater and it's super sold out? There's no more. They, like they're, they're not doing Rush. They're not. Uh, there's no secondary market. They're like, maybe you could come uh, pay a hundred dollars for a late cancellation. Yeah, I'm just like standby. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was a very small theater. It was playing. It is. Yeah, that, that yeah. theater is like you know, it's like 150 seats. I think, it is a basement. Yeah, the Atlantic makes sense. Where I saw Kimberly Akimbo. Mm. It must mm-hmm. be crazy to see a musical in there. The sound must be crazy. Yeah. It was yeah, it's great. Uh, famously, I yeah my uh, my special presentation that week was like walking home after seeing a musical. Like it was like it was like mm. it was walking out on a high. Yeah. Um, oh, speak- speaking of special presentations, yes. yep. 
Jesse, go, you you go first. I'll, I'll go first. My special presentation is that uh, Claire Danes and Hugh Dancy welcomed their third child, Amir, three months ago. Aww. July 2023. Good for them. Mm-hmm. I like both of them. They're both good actors, I think. Um, I get, Hugh Dancy, like... My main association with Hugh Dancy is just knowing that he played this character in this play. Sure. You, yeah. He's you were in a Hannibal. Hannibal head. Yeah. Yeah. I watched a sure. season of Hannibal. I thought it was good in Hannibal. Yeah. Um, okay. I will go next. I rewatched Molly's Game last night, and that movie is so fun and delightful. And I uh, laughed and cheered when uh, Idris Elba brought back up uh, uh, The Crucible uh, towards the end. Um, so, yeah. Great movie. Uh, for my special presentation, I have a running uh, spreadsheet I've made of albums that came out this year that I have been listening to. There are 34 albums on it currently. I am going to ask Andy to give me a number from 1 to 10, and uh, my special presentation will be the album that that number is. Six. Mm-hmm. Okay, six is uh, the appropriately titled uh, JPEG Mafia and Danny Brown album, Scaring the Hose. Uh, mm-hmm. If you like kind of funny, out-there hip-hop, it is very good. I for I had learned of this album a while ago, but had not listened to. I heard some people be like, it's a little overrated and up its own ass. And then I listened to it and was like, it's up its own ass, but in a way that I very much enjoy. So if you... Yeah, I love to go up an ass. So yeah, Scaring the Hose, JPEG Mafia, Danny Brown. All right. Uh... You can send us money at ko-fi.com slash C-A-N-N-E-S-I, can I? And all of our other links are in the description. And with that, I will release our audience and ourselves to sleep. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.